Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. What's up on a Wednesday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on this Wednesday, March, I think it's like 18th, 17th, so 18th edition of the Rebel Report podcast. Uh, I hope everyone's hanging in there with their self-quarantine or whatever it is you're doing. I know most people are working from home. Seems like the whole world is shutting down. That's not really news at this point, but thank God we do have a lot of news. Thank God for NFL free agency for some semblance of normalcy. We have that. Uh, well, to get into that, Borky and I will have five free agent moves that were interesting to us. And then uh, I think he's got some too, but I've got a couple just kind of off the wall ones that I kind of find a little bit fascinating in terms of storylines. So probably a lot of NFL stuff today. There's an NBA scenario that's interesting. And then as far as as sick of everyone is, is talking about the coronavirus uh, we did kind of get a little bit of a mirroring timeline as to when we may get sports back based on a South Korean basketball league and to some degree the Chinese Basketball Association, uh, but we'll get to that as well. So still some content. Uh, we'll probably have to get more creative once this NFL stuff dies down, but uh, what's up? Uh, NFL heavy show today, I would imagine, but not shortage of anything to talk about. No, I mean, thank God for Tom Brady, right? Um, or the, seriously, like, it's, I know it's been Monday morning since we recorded, but, like, we've still yet to talk about the new Hopkins thing. Like, <laughs> there's just a plethora of stuff for us to talk about. Yeah, um, when, our guy, when John the, Harris came on the show yesterday and even he couldn't spin it, you know it's a bad deal. Yeah, and see, that's what he – but he was getting at – for those of you that don't listen to the radio show, John Harris is a team reporter for the Houston Texans. Uh, I probably have his title a little bit off, but he's in their in-house media wing. Right. And he's yeah, a friend and, of the well, show. Yeah, and, he's a friend of the show, and he was just kind of like – he could, like you said, he couldn't spin it. But what he pointed out was what I said to you during commercial break, that there's probably something behind the scenes there because as much as everyone loves to crap on Bill O'Brien, like – there's no way just straight up in a vacuum it's New Hopkins for David Johnson, all that contract in a second-round pick, and you're like, yeah, pull the trigger on it, done. Like, he even hinted at that. Yeah, and then Michael Irvin. See, I, this is why some of these morning shows and stuff, I, I don't know if I believe this or not, and then there's just a free platform to just say out loud that apparently Bill O'Brien told DeAndre Hopkins multiple times that he didn't like that He's got multiple babies, moms running around, and he's the next Aaron Hernandez. Like, that is a, a very strong accusation. Probably a fire. Oh, I missed defense. that. Yeah, Michael Irvin said that, I think, on Get Up this morning. And if that's not true, like, if that's secondhand hearsay, you shouldn't say that shit on TV. And yet, I mean, that's what was said today. But that still doesn't explain why the Texans traded him. You know what I mean? It, I, but that's out there now. I just, I don't, when I saw that, I think, you know what? I don't believe that. That can't be the full story. That, that just sounds like secondhand hearsay. And if that's exactly what happened, then, you know, I'm wrong. Sure. But that doesn't explain why you trade him. Well, no, it doesn't. But the mechanism and like, it, it explains like the pathway, like obviously yeah. there are issues to some degree between Bill O'Brien, who is somehow, the permanent GM after the playoff defeat and the head coach now. So there's obviously issues between them, whether the Michael Irvin thing is true or not. I, I don't really know. There's no way to prove that. And I think that may be probably why he said it. Cause how in the hell can you prove that? Uh, that's interesting. I just off the top of my head without having read anything about that. Cause I truthfully, there's been so much news on the NFL front. I haven't seen that one. I know NFL receivers and former receivers are a very tight knit community. Like, you know, a lot of those guys are tight with each other. It, you know, similar, just as any sport, similar position. Like it's almost like a fraternity in and of itself. Whereas the NFL really is kind of a tight knit fraternity as well. So he, like, I, I would bet there's some relationship between Irvin and Hopkins um, to some degree. If he feels comfortable sharing something like that on the air, <sighs> I don't necessarily believe that. I remember from the Hard Knocks a couple years ago, like. 
O'Brien is kind of a crude guy, but he's also seems to be a pretty decently well-rounded human being. Like I remember a lot from that. He has a son that's severely uh, disabled. Um, and at least from the way that the, the, the NFL films or not NFL films, hard knocks portrayed him. He seems like as, as stressing as tax as taxing as that job is. He seems like a pretty well-rounded human being. That doesn't mean he wouldn't say something like that. It just does not seem in character from the little you've seen of him, I guess, behind the scenes. Uh, I don't really know what to do with that, to be honest. I don't know if I believe it, but uh, overall point is there's issues there. And there, like he didn't just trade him in a back in a vacuum for David Johnson's second round pick. Yes, please. Like that that doesn't make any sense. No, but still, I mean, getting rid of Clowney and then Hopkins and not getting a first round pick back is mind blowing. Like even though you have issues within your organization and you want to get him gone or whatever, you still should have been able to get more with him. I mean, you saw what uh, Minnesota was able to get for Stephon Diggs. And I think that's one of those trades where both sides won. I mean, if you look at what Minnesota got back for him, uh, a ton of draft picks, and they're kind of not in a rebuild mode, but you can build with that many, with that much draft capital, and they're still good at wide receiver without him. And then Buffalo adds what they desperately needed. One of those trades where you're like, hey, you know, both sides kind of got what they were looking for. When you see that, I mean, that's what Houston should have gotten for Hopkins. So even if you can't stand him and you want him gone and there's all kinds of issues, you should still get more for him. Well, yeah, and you could argue in some ways, I don't know this off the top of my head, but uh, the Diggs thing has potential to be a more toxic situation because he made it known and has made it known a couple times he doesn't want to be there. Hopkins never really made it known, like made that known, even though he kind of had beef with Bill O'Brien. So, yeah, I mean, it was not handled well. I'm shocked that. Bill O'Brien's not a great GM, but just a weird situation overall. Let's just get right into it because we're probably going to cover the obvious one. Uh, I tasked you with five NFL free agent signings that were interesting to you. I think I said rank them, but this really doesn't have to be in the order. It's more just give me five so we can have some conversation fodder. Um, I'm just going to knock out the obvious one uh, already. My number this one. This is a good is, idea, by the way. I'm going to steal it for the radio show this afternoon. Just yeah, to sure. <laughs> We're all as the great Maddie Lee said uh, when I asked her to come on the radio show after she just spent 25 minutes on her podcast. We're all struggling right now. <laughs> Happy to help. So anyway, I'm just going to knock out the obvious one first and foremost. Happened yesterday. Unfolded all day yesterday. Tom Brady is going to be playing in the pewter and whatever is pewter the white. brown color or the red yeah, pewter color? and white so but is, is pewter the nasty brown one or is it the red one for the the bucks i know that's a dumb question but I, I genuinely don't know what color pewter is is that the brownish like color um yes i think so. <laughs> so he's going to be playing in a tampa bay bucks uniform next year pirate ship pirate flag and all there, this wasn't necessarily, and I'm not being like, there were so many guys after the fact going, yeah, of course he's not coming back. This is not shocking to me. When in reality, the only guy with the enough courage and sourcing to put his name on this from the beginning was ESPN's Jeff Darlington, who took shit after shit for weeks over this just because, you know, this was the general consensus yesterday, and I saw a couple people make this point. It's not the first person to make this point. But he was so – like, this is the greatest dynasty we've ever seen with the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. We tend – we like, it seemed as we as a whole as sports fans seem to ignore all of the conventional signs and, and just basically out of denial uh, that Brady would ever suit up in another uniform. Because if you look at this practically and if you looked at someone who didn't know who Tom Brady was and said this is what's happened over the last three months, this seemed fairly obvious. But, of course, it's not obvious because it's Tom Brady. They've won six Super Bowls since the Patriots. But – what a wild, wild sequence of events because I didn't have him landing. We, we, had, we had Tampa in the conversation, but it was more so like, oh, he's not going there. It's Tampa, kind of candy-ass uniforms, weird franchise. Like, like, like they, they made sense, but at the same time, it was hard to believe. Yeah, by the way, the Bucks' official colors are Buccaneer Red, Pewter, which is that silver, gray, black, whatever it is. And then Bay Orange. So you learn something new every day. They're also getting new uniforms. They haven't revealed them yet, but they've hinted at them a few times. So maybe they'll make Brady look a little bit better than the garbage they've worn the last couple of years. 
Um, it's Steve Spurrier. They were bad, but the orange and white, they should go back to it. Oh, man, those are incredible. Like, I've already seen photoshops of Brady in that uniform, and I, and I keep thinking, man, you would sell a metric ton of those things if that's what you switch to. I mean, it, those are just good-looking unis. But uh, from a football side, I think you have to remove the like the emotional aspect of it because Tom Brady in Tampa Bay doesn't fit. I mean, he and his supermodel wife um, – they have like a production company now in Los Angeles, and he's very Hollywood, you know? I mean, he's got an UGG sponsor, and they're all into fashion, and he's he's Hollywood. So the fit in Los Angeles would have made so much more sense off the field. But if you remove the off the field, the non-football stuff aspect of it, considering his, what, final two, maybe three options and what they were— Tampa makes the most sense by a long shot because this is the team that he has the best chance at winning next year with, I think. I think the offense and the roster and the coach is better for him in Tampa than it would have been in Los Angeles, maybe even Indianapolis, although it never really felt like that was getting off the ground. And then in Chicago, this might be the best football team he could have joined this late in the game, New England included. They've got to fix up their defense. They had one of the worst secondaries in the NFL, but their front seven was pretty good. And yeah, to your point, they've probably never played with better weapons. I hate to say that because I was so young in the late 2000s, like the Dion Branch, Randy Moss years, There, where there's probably a year or two in there where he had pretty good weapons. But for the last pretty much decade in New England, he hasn't worked with anything close to this from an offensive standpoint for whether it's Mike Evans, Cam Brate, like keep going down the list who else am I blanking on like they like he's got he's got I mean Jameis Winston had really good weapons that's why he threw for a billion yards and a bunch of touchdowns he just threw 30 interceptions as well but this is going to be fascinating because he's now in a division with 41 is Brees 41 or 42 41 so he's in a there's two 40 year old quarterbacks in the same division which we probably will never see again in football uh, at least not starting quarterbacks of course like that's kind of interesting in and of itself. They're now, like what you've been robbed of because of the NFC, AFC thing all these years is Breeze versus Brady, and now you're going to get them twice a year for at least, I mean, you you may just get it twice, but you're now going to see this twice in one season and maybe for another season, I don't know, but it, it, it this, this all-time greats thing that we've kind of been robbed of and have been rooting for to get to a Super Bowl is now going to happen uh, between Tampa and New Orleans <laughs> twice a year. So you've got that aspect of it. From a Brady standpoint, I can't help but think there's a lot more risk involved for him here because this whole deal, like it's your typical hot take sports talk fodder to where it's, is it more Brady? Is it more Belichick? Who should get more credit? Is Brady a system quarterback? The thing that set Richard off on the radio show the other day. All of that jazz Whereas he's now going to another team. And what happens if they struggle because it is the Tampa Bay Bucks? I like Bruce Arians as a coach, but he has an offense that predicates on pushing the ball pretty deep down the field. And I don't know whether Brady can do that anymore. I, I don't know. He kind of saw it in flashes last year. And you've got – he's not going to have one of the best scoring defenses in the NFL like he's pretty much had in New England. And so what happens if they go – eight and eight or nine and seven and either slip into a wild card or don't make the playoffs point being they struggle and whoever plugs in a quarterback in new England, they win their division for the umpteenth time because they're the Patriots. Like what is that? What does that do to his legacy? Because it's in reality, people are going to be like, see it was Belichick to whereas in what's actually true. It's, Hey, this guy's 42 years old. Like, so to me, there's a lot more downside for him doing this. If I were in his shoes and I'm not going to tell Tom Brady what to do. I just would have either stuck it out in new England and bit the bullet on Belichick treating you like an ass or just retired. And so to me, there's a lot more downside than up here. If he goes big and they make it to an NFC title game or a Super Bowl, then it's like, okay, this is undisputed. This guy's unbelievable, unlike thing we've ever seen. But how likely is that? To me, there's more downside for him with this. Probably so, but um, maybe he's just the type of guy that wants to just prove that he's not tied into. Or I'm, it sounds like he got a super low ball offer from New England. May, I mean, it could just be a money thing on top of, Maybe he thinks that he could cement his legacy as the greatest of all time if he can take the Bucks to the playoffs this year. Um, 
But if if New England offered him a really low ball contract, and on top of that, the roster's not great, why would you not give it a shot elsewhere? I mean, maybe it's as simple as that, to where uh, New England came in and they were like, hey, we'll give you 20, and then Tampa calls and says, hey, we'll give you 30. And he's like, all right, well, what the hell? I'll go to Tampa. I like the receivers there better anyway. Um, I think it could – if that scenario happens, if they go 8-8 eight and eight or whatever and miss the playoffs um, – it's very possible that this goes the way of Michael Jordan and the Bulls. If you remember, after Jordan left the Bulls, they didn't get worse. Not much. They won 50 games. Yeah. I mean, it, it was still a really good team after he left, and, and nobody really talks about that. It, and then, I mean, does anybody speak of his time as a Washington Wizard? And he's a little unique because he up and left the game to go play baseball for a little while, and, and that just – never really made any sense this is just Brady going from one team to the next but he's not the first elite level quarterback that played on a different team late in his career nobody talks about it in the short term yes first take and get up and all that stuff we'll just spend all day long talking about how Brady was a system quarterback and this proves everything and uh, but five ten years from now everybody will just talk about the six Super Bowls and not even bring up his time in Tampa. Like, that'll be one of those things in 10 years. You'll be like, oh, wow, yeah, I forgot Tom Brady was there. But the, the way it's different than the Bulls thing is, and I like that comparison, but the way it's different than the Bulls thing is Belichick probably not going anywhere. And he, you know, badly he wants to prove that it was probably more him because he tried to ship Tom Brady off two years ago, and he had his successor. And, you know, I think the notion of Jimmy Garoppolo, like the Niners should have question marks about him, is patently absurd. You got to the Super Bowl and were a seven-minute choke away from winning it. Like, I don't think he's really an issue. He had a pretty good successor lined up and kind of an off-the-wall one. So you've never really seen Belichick have to evaluate the quarterback position very well. Although, I will point out, he had Jacoby Brissett, who's a serviceable starter in the NFL, Jimmy Garoppolo, an above-average starter in the NFL, all on the same roster behind Brady at one time. So I would think he's pretty good at it. So he's not going anywhere. So what happens if this thing just keeps turning on? I don't think they're going to be the dynasty that they've been just because the NFL is not set up that way and it's taken two ridiculously talented uh, people in terms of a coach and a player to keep that going. But what happens if they continue to win division titles and he wins the Super Bowl in the next half decade post Brady, like five years from now, if the, if the Pats and have one more Super Bowl title, like what is, like, how does that, how does that stick long-term in the minds of people? I don't think it'll end up well for Brady in that sense. I think it will hurt him. Probably so. And by the way, you mentioned the age. Um, I wonder if this is the oldest division of starting quarterbacks in NFL history. Because you've got those two, and then Matt Ryan, who's 34, and Bridgewater, the young buck, is 27. Yeah, I, it's got to be close, I would think. Because, I mean, I, 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 I'm not looking this up, but like, there's no, I, there's no way you've had two, uh, two 40-year-old quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the same division before. I just don't believe that that's happening. So that's going to be fascinating so there's a lot of layers i don't know if the patriots are just gonna and you didn't say this but the patriots i don't think are just gonna cruise to a division title next year oh no of course not it's buffalo is the team that's going to it's going to be interesting because miami's still kind of a mess i'm not entirely sure what they're doing i think they're gonna stink for a few more years but the jets aren't that aren't that far off like when they had all of their pieces last year and darnold healthy they were pretty good so outside of that I've got something weird going on with my phone here. I some somehow just put up YouTube with my side of my cheek. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's going. It's the Bills that seem to be the next team to kind of take the reign in that division. But also the Jets aren't far off, so I don't think they're going to cruise to it either. But if you give Bill Belichick, say like Andy Dalton, who's been kind of the guy rumored to them that they've liked the whole time, I mean that's a playoff team. I, I wouldn't bet against them making the playoffs. Would you? No, not at all. So there's a lot of layers to this, and I'm fascinated by it. But at the same time, I was thinking about this last night. I don't necessarily want to see this in terms of a storybook ending. I'm fascinated to watch it. Like, I don't hate it. But in terms of Brady's just overall story and his overall legacy as a six-time Super Bowl champion quarterback, do you really want to see him play for the Bucs? Because I feel like that's not necessarily how the story should end. 
Like, I don't really want to see him in that uniform. I'd rather him as retired as a Patriot. I'm fascinated to watch it. It's like I hate it and like it at the same time. Yeah, it. I would have rather seen him in Tennessee or like in a galaxy brain world uh, in Dallas or, or somewhere like that. But uh, Tampa just doesn't feel right. I mean, they have the worst quarterback rating as a franchise in the NFL like in the last 20 years. I mean, they, they've just been perpetually bad. They had that one Super Bowl, which feels like forever ago. And, I mean, it kind of was forever ago. Uh, but have been sadly mediocre basically every other time. And he's going to this franchise. I mean, we talked about it Monday. that It's the team with the 100-foot uh, pirate ship in one of the end zones. It, it just doesn't feel like that's where... Tom Brady belongs, but I am fascinated by the story. I mean, him and, and Breeze going at it twice is interesting. I think that's a division that they can, at, I mean, definitely finish second in, um, depending on how the schedules shake out, and we'll see those uh, in order um, in a little while, right? I mean, those get released soon, don't they? Yes, I don't know exactly when the NFL schedule gets released. I don't know how that's affected by what's going on in the world right now, but yes. April 16th. So, yeah, okay. less than a month um, is when they released the, the schedule. So, man, I'm fascinated by the story. I know the Bucks are, are about to get a lot of primetime games. I mean, especially when they're going to play the Saints twice. And, I mean, they'll have – oh, God, I saw it yesterday. They, they're going to have uh, – people are guessing 10 – um, network games this year because of who they're playing and, and all of that good stuff. So, my second one on top of the, on this is I'm going to stick with the quarterbacks. This was like the seventh most interesting move to happen yesterday, but it's Phil Rivers to the Colts. This seemed to make sense all along once it was figured out that the Chargers were going to pass on on a pass on re-signing Phil Rivers. The Colts seemed to make a lot of sense. I mean, this is kind of a win now thing. I would what I was interested in. My first thought on this is: if you were a fan of one of these teams, whether it's the Bucks or the Colts, how do you react to news like this? You're obviously pumped, but it's not a long-term view. Like you're pumped for a year, two tops. Like it would be a very weird place to be in as a fan of one of those teams, to where it's just like, okay, this is a pretty short window, but I'm all on board now. But Rivers to the Colts is interesting for a number of reasons because that was a playoff team with Brissett until injuries really just kind of ravaged them towards the last seven to nine weeks of the season. You see that every year in the NFL where there's two teams that are pretty good and then they just can't overcome their injury report. The Colts were one of the two teams last year, probably the Steelers, the other one. But this is fascinating for a number of different reasons, just because they have a decent amount of weapons. They have a ton of cap space to continue adding. He's got a great offensive line, which he's played behind a ton of awful ones in uh L.A., San Diego, whatever you want to call the Chargers at this point. This is going to be weird seeing him in a coach uniform, but I kind of like it. I don't think Phil Rivers is completely done yet. I like it, too. He has a little bit of gas left in the tank. I wonder what the Colts' plan is going to be now because this is the last year on Brissett's deal. Um, I mean, they're paying him, I think, oh, gosh, what is it, $15 million? Let's see. Yeah, $15 million. Uh, so they've got $40 million tied up in two quarterbacks uh, whose contracts both expire after this year. So maybe they're going to get one in the draft or something like that. That's uh, what their plan is. Uh, obviously, they haven't uh, told anybody about it yet, but they haven't showed their hand either because both guys that they've got right now are free agents after this year. So what do you do? If Rivers plays well and wants to come back, do you give him an extension? Is Jacoby Brissett going to be pissed off and – want to go elsewhere, and what's his market? Then do you draft a quarterback? But this draft class isn't very good. It's a it's a really interesting move, and I like it, and I, I don't think they shouldn't have done it, but um, leaves you in a bit of a bind at the quarterback position after this year. Yeah, but it's one of those things. I don't disagree, but like, couldn't you, I guess? I mean, you have Brissett, who's serviceable. You have Rivers. If things go well, couldn't you just sign him to another one-year deal and keep kicking the can down the road? Yeah, and then get one in the draft or, or something that you may like. I mean, it's, it's honestly not a terrible place to be because if you, you like where the Colts sit this year, you're not going to get a good quarterback. So if you hate this quarterback class, 
or say you even hate the next one, you can be very selective of when you want to get a quarterback and who if it goes well. If it doesn't, then you got to kind of figure something out. Yeah, for sure. So do you think he'll win there, though? I do. I do. The division is interesting because the Jags are still going to suck. The Texans, uh, I mean, God bless Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah, I just don't know if he can overcome all of the dysfunction around him, mostly induced by his coach. But what sucks is the Titans just paid probably the third best quarterback in the division, like $90 million. I'm not necessarily mad about it, but it's a weird place to be. Yeah, they, they overpaid for him. I, I get picking him over Brady. I really do. I mean, it, it makes more sense. Although, I did see people yesterday suggest that Tampa got worse by signing Brady. And I, I don't know what you're watching. I mean, it's it's a matter of forty two year old Brady or current Jameis Winston. I probably know which one I'm taking. Uh, forty two year old Brady, a hundred <laughs> times out of a hundred. I mean, yes, Winston threw for five thousand yards last year, and Winston has probably right now still more raw talent than Tom Brady. But you cannot overcome the the amount of turnovers and mental mistakes that dude makes multiple times every single game and expect to win. Like, Brady's not throwing for 5,000 next year. Brady's also not turning the football over twice again. We, uh, I've got a couple more Colts thoughts on this uh, thing, but we got to take a break real quick to remind you the podcast brought to you by LBs. Go see Greg. He uh, sent some pictures out the other day. He still got steaks, custom-cut sausages. The ribeye sausage is one of the finer delicacies in this world. Go see him. It's a great way to self-quarantine. Go by grab something to go. He's got meat. It looked like he had meatloaf plates to go yesterday. He's got all kinds of stuff. But go see him. You can go throw something on the grill and chill out at home while the world ends around you. But Greg needs you now more than ever. Uh, please go see him. It's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. Thinking about Greg. Really appreciate him sponsoring the podcast. Uh, but anyway, go, please go see him. I'm probably going to go by today. At least throw something on the grill this weekend because uh, I believe – Cookouts have not been banned because most of the time you're cooking out with 10 people or under. So what a better way to enjoy the warm weather despite that there's a eating, uh, killing virus in the air. But please go see him, University Avenue across from Kroger. Greg's the I best. saw a really funny tweet yesterday. It was uh, a guy that took a picture out of his, I guess, bedroom window and said, my dad texted all the neighborhood dads and they're having a quarantine party. And they were like in the cul-de-sac and they were all standing in a circle like 10 feet apart from each other. It was each one of them looked like the most dad guy you've ever seen in your life, standing in a big circle to not get close to each other. It was the funniest thing. <laughs> yeah, so you can still grill out, and there's, uh, there's no better time to do it. The weather's supposed to be good on Saturday in Oxford. I don't know where you'll be, but if you'll be around Oxford, anywhere near it, go stop by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you. And hopefully this all gets back to normal soon, and Greg can continue to make you money on gambling picks and continued to feed you and uh, keep your belly full. The last one of the last thoughts I had with this uh, Colts thing that I thought was interesting. This is obviously probably going to change a little bit, but the Colts pretty much have most of their roster intact. This is the this is what is around him offensively. Marlon Mack running back with Naheem Hines behind him. T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal. They're probably going to need to. Uh, they are probably going to need to upgrade the receiver position. Tight end, Eric Ebron, who I believe is a free agent and will probably not be back. And then a pretty good offensive line, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Mark Golinski, Braden Smith, and Anthony Costanzo. That's a pretty good, like, if you can add a receiver or draft a receiver, and I think the Colts fall somewhere in the late teens, which is 100% prime ground to take a first-round receiver, like one of these strong receivers coming out. That's a... That's legitimately a pretty scary team, and with the way things are going in Houston, and I'm not sure if I completely buy Tennessee yet as much as I would like to, I don't know why they couldn't win the AFC South. No one would pick them to, but it wouldn't shock me. No, I'm looking at the draft order, and do they have a first-round pick? Maybe I screwed that up. Maybe it was traded. Hold on. Um, they don't pick in the first round. Well, let's see why. This is great podcasting, Aaron. That's fine. I mean, people have plenty of time that they need to kill. But, yeah, they don't pick in the first round. Uh, they, they, oh, no, they would have been 13th, but San Francisco. They gave it to – they gave it to uh, – we just missed – they gave it they, – they traded for DeForest Buckner. That's why. 
from they it was the whole sign and trade deal where he signed he re-signed with the uh Niners to be traded to uh the Colts. That's why he doesn't have a first round pick. But anyway, there's a the point being they need to add a receiver, but that's a really fascinating team. My third one here, and I tried to get away from quarterbacks I can't yet. Actually, I don't want to take all of yours, so give me one of yours. Because we probably have similar ones, and I don't want to like railroad it and go through all five. Is there well, one I like that really stuck? Hurst in Atlanta. Um, they they had to offload their two tight ends, one of which became the highest paid tight end in the NFL, and then uh, getting rid of a twenty uh, fourth round pick in twenty twenty for Hayden Hurst. Um, wait, no, excuse me. They got rid of a second round pick. They gave a twenty twenty uh, to Baltimore. Um, anyway, Hayden Hurst. Uh, I really like him. It's a good weapon uh, in Atlanta. Nobody's talking about it, and I understand why, because Hayden Hurst is not like a sexy conversation piece in free agency. But uh, I think that's a really good pickup in Atlanta. Now suddenly they've got a pair of really good wide receivers and now a really reliable tight end to go along with it. And if they can actually stop people, uh, the Falcons may be kind of a sleeper to have a good year next year. It's been a really good offense. They've just been so bad or decimated by injuries on defense the last couple of years. You look at the Falcons for the last two seasons after their Super Bowl collapse and be like, this team should be way better than they've been, and it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense as to why. Or I guess three seasons it's really been. But I like that one. They're, uh, that division's going to be wide open next year anyway. But I, along those lines, staying in that division, the third one for me, obviously, is just Bridgewater to the Panthers. I don't exactly know exactly what the Panthers are doing, but I think I have an idea. I think they thought they were rebuilding. I think they thought they were transitioning into a new phase post-Cam Newton. But they were not in a position to draft a quarterback, like at least one of the top two. Like I think most people view this quarterback class as too deep, with Herbert probably being the next tier on the third. And they probably looked at it and were like, hey, actually, we got a pretty good roster Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Brady familiarity. Teddy Bridgewater, who feels older, is only 27. Why not just make it happen now, sign him to a short-term deal or short-ish, and not you know tie your entire franchise to him, but just see what happens. I don't necessarily hate this, but man, this is fascinating because they did it with Cam Newton still on the roster. So they're either going to cut him and have $19 million freed up, or they're going to trade him, which I don't know which one they're going to do, but... Uh, Talk about the quarterback carousel. This was kind of an underrated whoa because this has a ripple effect of, one, new quarterback in Carolina. Two, Cam Newton has got to be somewhere else now. Yeah, and uh, there were talks this morning about Chicago uh, potentially being a landing spot, although that would probably require the Panthers to cut him. I don't know who's going to make a deal with Carolina to get Cam Newton. I mean, who out there would want to give up something to get him when you know the Panthers are going to cut him if you don't make a deal? And so maybe you could – acquire him that way I just I don't understand what they're thinking in that regard who is going to trade for him maybe there's something else they want I don't know I mean it's one of those things where the Panthers are probably going to have to give up or not, at least not get in return more than they thought because like you said they have no they, they don't have any leverage so if you know can't you they have the option to cut Cam Newton like a trading him would be much more difficult because you don't have leverage but maybe there's something there with LA I think he ends up on the Chargers I think that makes the most sense because the thing about it is, is if you don't, I guess the one angle of this is if you know they cut him and it's a free agency situation, he's not guaranteed to sign with your team to whereas you, if you go get him and trade for him, he's guaranteed to play for your team, if that makes sense. And you, you, I guess you keep the bidding more away from it. Because as decimated as Cam Newton's been with injuries, he's still a top 10 passer in the NFL the last you know, four or five years. So I guess the upside for trading for him is one, you could probably get him at a discounted rate because you know that they don't have much leverage, the Panthers they being, and two, you avoid a bidding war and just kind of cut straight through the crap and have him on your team. What I guess would be the advantage of trading for him. The Chargers make a ton of sense. Plus, he would look cool as hell in a Chargers uniform. Yeah, and, and you just wonder how healthy he is. I mean, if that's what you're going to do, life after Phillip Rivers, um, is he a guy that you'd want? Like, if you were a general manager in Chicago and Los Angeles, which seems like those would be the two, or I, maybe New England, um, but kind of seems doubtful there. I don't know if those personalities would mesh, but if you were that one of those two. That would be nuts, though. Seeing Cam Newton and Belichick's system, I don't know. I don't think it would work out. I don't know well, if Cam, Cam is, is uh, the, the type that would accept that, that kind of atmosphere. 
That's true. But in terms of just like scheme, watching Belichick divides a scheme around Cam Newton, if there's anyone that could probably make that into something unstoppable, I'm going to put my money on Bill. That would be awesome. I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't see it as a great fit, but I would very much love that to happen. That would be fascinating. Chicago wouldn't do anything for me. I think Matt Nagy's kind of a fraud. I don't think Trubisky's any good, but I think he throws him under the bus anytime shit goes wrong. Like that Monday night football game against the Rams stuck out where he just needlessly benched him with a minute and a half to go when they were down like 12 or whatever, if you remember what I'm talking about. So like, yep. him going to Chicago really wouldn't move the needle for me. In terms of just storyline and my personal entertainment, I think the Chargers would be interesting because that roster's pretty damn good. And then the Patriots would just be awesome. But the Patriots are going to get Andy Dalton and it's going to bore everyone to tears and they're going to win 10 games is probably what's going to happen here. <laughs> But if, if you were if you were one of those two GMs, would you want Cam Newton? Would you be willing to give up, even though, like you said, the Panthers have no leverage because everybody knows they just paid Teddy Bridgewater. So it's either we trade for him or they're going to cut him. So good luck getting anything of real value. But if you were Los Angeles, would you give up something as small as it may be to get Cam Newton? Yes. Especially since the draft class sucks. I mean, yeah, once you're past Tua, what are you going to do? Get Justin Herbert? No, I think that's an easy solution. Yeah, exactly. You're either getting, well, second-tier quarterback that you don't think is going to work in the draft unless you just love the guy, or you're trading up to get one that you still don't know, or you're trading or just getting Cam Newton. Like, it doesn't seem like that hard of a decision to me. So, yes, I would absolutely take Cam Newton, particularly if I don't. Like, if I'm a t GM and I need, well, one, I'm not necessarily thinking 100% sell tickets. That's why the Chargers make sense. Cam would 100% sell tickets, even in that stupid stadium. Or I guess they're moving into the big one now. They but, are moving like, into the big one. But, like, he would sell tickets. He would get people interested. But just aside from that, if I had no quarterback, I'd rather have Cam Newton than take a gamble on a younger guy where there's just nothing is certain. So, yeah, I 100% would take Cam Newton. There's going to be a market for Cam Newton. If there's a market for Phillip Rivers at this point, Cam Newton is going to be plucked pretty quickly. It's just hard to see a fit right now. My fourth one uh, is a little off the wall here, but I'm just going to stay with all quarterbacks. I might just make all five quarterbacks. But Marcus Mariota to the Raiders is interesting to me because I don't really know what that means. Like, you Is that to push Derek Carr? But I read yesterday that when Mike Mayock was with the NFL Network or draft, whatever he did as a draft analyst, Mariota was the number one quarterback rated on his board, and now he has him on his football team. I don't know what this means. Like, Mariota's probably the backup, but I think they really just want to push Carr. I, I don't exactly know what this means, but this is, this is fascinating because I think this could turn into an actual quarterback competition. Oh, you better hope not, though. <laughs> I mean, if that's the guy you're, uh, you're signing to – push Derek Carr, maybe you should just start over at quarterback. That's a good point. I just, I, 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 I do wonder if, if the Titans just ruined him as far as injuries and scheme, like they surround him with bad coaches and a bad offensive line for so long. I'm just not a hundred percent convinced he's awful. He may be, I could be a hundred percent wrong. I'm just not a hundred percent convinced yet. So that's another no, fascinating one for me. But how about Jason Witten going to, to Oakland slash Vegas? How about that? Yeah, what in the what is uh that's uh that's interesting. But like I I thought Witten was one of those things where I'm going to go back to the Cowboys for a year and then retire and do something else. But I I guess not. That's he was another probably told that hey hey man broadcasting is um it, it's not going to work, and so what, he decided to go back it? and play. Is that like are you saying someone should get in his ear and be like hey man you suck at it please go back to the NFL. Pretty much. I mean, that's kind of what it felt like is, hey, this wasn't working, you know, maybe explore other options. And he realized that there's still people that want him to play football, so he's going to go there. I mean, there, there's always room for improvement in this business. Uh, believe it or not, on the radio side, I am a lot better than I was years ago. Still have uh, a lifetimes of work to do. But you should have heard my first couple of years at Super Talk. It was an embarrassment. It still is, but just not as much of one. Um, so there's room for him to get better. However, you could tell right away he doesn't have it. There's a certain like personality, charisma that you have to have that you can work on, even if you're not sharp, to become really good. I don't think he has the baseline talent to become a broadcaster. Like, I don't think it's possible for him to improve enough to where he's viable on any major network. So maybe he got the message or somebody let him know that 
it's not working out, and now he just wants to play football. I think that conversation was had. So that's another good one. And then my last one is probably – I'm deciding between a couple here. Oh, a random Ole Miss thing, by the way, if we don't bring it up. Mike Hilton got a second-round tender. So that means uh, Pittsburgh uh, really values uh, him. So good for Mike. He'll get a nice little deal. And uh, Anyway, just wanted to throw that in there because it's an Ole Miss podcast. and He's probably yeah, the best defensive player they've ever had. I mean, pound for pound anyway. My God, he was always in the right place. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, he, I mean, he really just kind of – took Sinquest Golson's job for the lack of a remedy. It's kind of Ole Miss by cannibalization of Ole Miss out there. It was it, interesting, but good for him. I didn't, I, I didn't see that. I got lost in the weeds in that yesterday. I think my last one is probably going to be, this is so random, but Jimmy Graham is now on his 12th team. And I think he signed for $16 million with the, uh, with, with the bears. Uh, so I don't like, <laughs> Good luck, Mitch Trubisky. You now have a washed-up Jimmy Graham. Like, I don't really know what to think about that. That seems very just underwhelming. Man, there were some Saints media that were all talking about, oh, Jimmy Graham coming back. Bring Jimmy Graham back. And I kept thinking, guys, first of all, it would cost too much for his production, which has not been good lately. And you have Jared Cook already on the roster. What are you talking about? Why, why are you even suggesting that? Of course it was never going to happen, but – that blows my mind sometimes with, with media people. Is like, use your brain for one second and think, does this make sense? And should I write about it? And they still did it. Got any other ones that were interesting? How about all of Miami? I mean, Eric Flowers aside, I, apparently he was better. I know he was just a disaster in New York, but uh, Miami had a bunch of capital and they're throwing it around to people. They get Kyle Van Noy, they get Shaq Lawson, they get Byron Jones. And suddenly, I mean, they've got a ton of draft picks and stuff still, and they've thrown some money at some really good players and defensively, they might be pretty damn good next year. They're the first team to actively tank in the NFL. And if it works, like that's the, the, it's like they tried to tank. It didn't work because they had they hired a really good coach who managed to win five games with that roster anyway somehow. Uh, I don't know. I hope Brian Flores got coach of the year votes. I don't know if he did or not, but uh, I would really hope he did because, man, the job he did with that roster. But if like this type of thing works and you just shed cap space after cap space and you try to suck for a year or two, I wonder what that means for like how the modern NFL franchise functions. I hope, like, I hope this does not end up being the case because this would uh, – to be honest, watching NFL teams actively try to lose, I don't really want to see any more of that. Because as bad, as good either. as they were down the stretch, but those first five weeks or seven weeks of them, I, I don't want any more of that. No more, please. No. Um, and the thing is, it just might work. Because, I mean, those free agent signings are also good. Uh, they have five picks in the first two rounds. Three in the first round. That's interesting. So you've got three teams kind of on the rise. Uh, in that AFC East that is now without Tom Brady, or two teams, I should say, and then one team that's kind of putting the pieces back together. Will that division become, like, averagely competent? Like Potentially. Yeah. I, the NFL is going to look so different next year. Like, you've never seen – I guess the one last encompassing thought on that is, like, you've never seen – the. I haven't seen a quarterback carousel like this since I've been alive that I can remember. Like, you're going to have Cam Newton, Phil Rivers, Tom Brady – Teddy Bridgewater, and I can't. Even, I don't even know if I'm missing us all. And probably Andy Dalton starting somewhere, all on different teams next year. That's uh like you don't really see that very often because it's just a sport that kind of breeds itself on continuity and sticking with the same team and the same coaching staffs and the same whatever. But man, what a bunch of movement! And you're probably going to get more of it because you're going to have two new quarterbacks at least starting probably from day one out of the draft. What just a kind of fascinating. Uh, fascinating scenario we have in the nfl at the quarterback position but yeah and you still have dallas yet to lock up their quarterback and i mean god knows what's going to happen there i've, I've seen so many people say um pay him the, the cowboys need to pay him because he does everything right and that kind of sentiment and that just that doesn't work in the nfl you can't pay a guy because he's a nice guy you've got to pay a guy because he can win you games and i think you can with Dak, but this growing idea that the Cowboys should emotionally pay Dak Prescott. I think, how do you work in sports media and think that that is what a, a team should do? 
if a team does that, you end up, um, gosh, I, I don't mean to bring this up because of what, what's happened recently, but the, the last few years of Kobe's tenure in Los Angeles did not go well because he got an emotional contract. Uh, they paid him for what he did and not for what he was going to do, and they stunk out loud for a while. Uh, you, you can't do that in professional sports. You cannot emotionally pay somebody for being a good guy that does the right things and give him a $35 million contract with five years of insane gar- or four years of insane guaranteed money. You can't do that. And so the mere suggestion of it doesn't make sense to me. Got any other ones you want to throw out there? That was kind of my five. I'm perusing through Sport Track right now, or Spot Track, however you say that, just to make sure we didn't miss anything. But those were just kind of five that really stuck out to me. Uh, Josh Norman quietly signed with Buffalo. That's a yeah, fascinating I mean, one. Buffalo's going to be good next year. Or they should. Oh, yeah. They're gonna, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Derek Watt. There's another Watt. Uh, the fullback Derek Watt. The Chargers is now in Pittsburgh with his brother. Uh, Chase Daniel, the, uh, uh, the people's hero, signs a $13 million deal. Or I guess $13 million. No, wait, $13 million total. I guess it's about three, four, whatever a year with the, uh, with the Detroit lions. He has now made over like $36 million in his career and started a total of five NFL games. Uh, can yeah. I, I please sign me up for that? Uh, Titans get Vic Beasley, a pass rusher who stunk for the last three years, but was good in 2016. Austin Hooper's the game's highest paid tight end in Cleveland. Kyle Van Noy that you brought that up a second ago with Miami, right? Uh, I did, yeah. I mean, Miami got a bit of a haul in this free agency. People aren't talking about it because uh, Tom Brady's stolen the show. But, uh, I mean, they are they are definitively better, and they still have five draft picks coming up in the first two rounds. That matters. Robert Quinn goes from Dallas to Chicago. Duh, the defense was certainly not the issue for Chicago last year, but that seems to get even better. I think that was really it. Jack Conklin goes to Cleveland. If you want to go one more thought on Baker Mayfield, you've got a big, or you've got a competent, at least a more competent coach than you had just by default. You've got a ridiculous offense and one of the NFL's best defenses. If you don't win next year, or at least show market improvement, don't you just suck? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, they, they've got an offense that. How. Is there a more talented offense in the NFL than the Cleveland Browns across the board? From raw talent, not production or anything, but just raw talent, what they have at wide receiver. I know there are a bunch of head cases, but they've got them. Really good at running back. Now going to be really good at offensive line. Is there a more talented collection of position groups that a quarterback can work with in the NFL? Is there a more talented one than Cleveland? I don't. Hmm. I don't think so. I don't even know who would really come up. Like, L.A.'s got a pretty good offense with pretty good weapons. The Chargers, that is. I mean, Rams, obviously, not too shabby either. No, I don't think so. I, the Titans are a receiver, too, away from being in that conversation, like, to be around, like, around A.J. Brown. Uh, but, no, I mean, it's them. That's why – that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, for all the talk and all the dysfunction and all the loudness of the Cleveland Browns, if you stink next year, do you just have to disband the franchise and like bar Baker Mayfield from ever playing? Like, like to me, like there's and that's what's going to be interesting following them is you thought they had pressure and expectations this year. Like, what does this coming year look like? What happens if they go six and ten again? Then you just go draft a quarterback and just keep resetting and, and reset and reset and reset and just do it all over again. If you don't make the playoffs with this roster. And it's a tough division with Baltimore and Pittsburgh, but my God, if you can't find a way to at least get above 500 with this roster, then, I mean, you should just disband the franchise and be done with it. Yeah, because it's like the Baker Mayfield thing's interesting because this whole quarterback thing is really not that hard in Cleveland. Like, you don't even have to get it right. Just get the quarterback everyone else was going to draft, and they've repeatedly not done that. Like, no one had Baker Mayfield number one, and they traded up to get him. No, did they trade up or did they have the number one pick? I think they had it. But it's just, it's unbelievable. So that'll be interesting to follow. Uh, That was really kind of all we had NFL-wise. Uh, but that was a good 45 minutes of just the craziness of the NFL that's kind of kept, I think, most of us sane in the sports media world. 
as some sense of normalcy. Elsewhere around the sports world is not much. Like the, the SEC officially canceled its 2019-2020 athletics year. Um, if you needed any sort of like official confirmation, we're not playing sports for a long time in college. Like that's just kind of the way things are. The NFL is bracing for a three-month hiatus. I guess this would be a good time to wrap up here is the two basketball thoughts we had. I have a next thought that we'll go after, but the first one is we both saw a news story yesterday about the uh, Chi- uh, the Chinese Basketball Association and the Korean Basketball Association and kind of maybe a timeline for we can get back to normal again, just kind of set the table for this. Uh, yeah, so the South Korean Basketball League, um, and it's also happening in China, but I think based on a couple articles I saw this morning, uh, just from a news perspective, um, it, it certainly doesn't seem like we should fully trust the the news or anything uh, coming out of China. I know that may be political, but whatever. These are trying times. Um, I would much prefer to trust the uh, the South Korean news side of things, and they are confident enough in uh, the the slowing of the spread of the virus to where they're going to play basketball soon. I mean, they're getting the league prepared uh, to play again, which depending on what news service you look at, depending on what website you look at, I mean, this thing could go on for months and even over a year, just depending on what you read and, and who said it. But it, it makes you wonder if South Korea is comfortable enough um, with the the lacking spreading of the virus. That is a terrible sentence. With the, the <laughs> them slowing the way they the quelled spread the spread of, of, the, of virus, the virus. Yeah, right. There we go. Um, that they're comfortable enough to play basketball again. And if we are on a similar timeline, we are a few weeks, a couple months at most away if we do the same thing that they did. Yeah, so two thoughts on this from me. I agree with what you're saying on, on that. One, from everything I've read, just and this is not a political take, just from literally everything I've read, both right side, left side, whatever lean you have, I've kind of tried to read both perspectives in terms of which way the media outlet leans. It, it seems by all accounts, South Korea was much further ahead on, of the United States, about a month or so ahead of the United States in terms of uh, you know quarantining, uh, testing, all of that. Like the severity level we're dealing with this now and the precautionary steps this country is taking. South Korea was at that about a month earlier from everything I've understand, which there's plenty of reasons for that. The hell, they're right next to China. Like, it's not halfway across the world, type that type of thing. But so that would lead me to believe that the month-long hiatus for the South Korean Basketball League, obviously not happening here. But it is, a good, it is I guess, a encouraging timeline. And the second thought of this is the Chinese Basketball Association is going to st- – to start back in the next week after an eight-week hiatus. And, you know, this thing ravaged China. This is where it started in China. And so as you can't trust the Chinese government, obviously, and all of that. But if their, their basketball league is starting back after an eight-week hiatus, that would make me think, just by conventional wisdom, it couldn't be that much worse here? Is that dumb to think? I don't think so. Um no, no, we're all just kind of talking out of our ass. I'm just trying to, like, instead of just give you a, what my take on what the virus is going to do, I'm just trying to look across the world and kind of see if we can compare anything. Right, and this is a good comparison. because, And this is what most people that, that listen to this and follow us on social media and most of our conversations in daily life center around is when can we get our sports back? Uh, so I think it's important. And seeing them... At the end of March, they've got games scheduled. They're going to be in empty arenas at first, but they've got games scheduled. They're going to play again a few weeks after they took the preventative measures to spread the virus. I think that is at least uh, grounds for some optimism around here. Is that an established country that is set up very similar to ours, um, that have the same uh, political structure in a way? It, we're kind of similar to South Korea, uh, very different from China. Uh, to see a country that's like ours in in a way with the way they go about their business getting ready to play again should give us optimism i think i agree and there's a part of my take interview i haven't listened to yet where they had 
what's that? What's the guy's name? South, so see, whatever the 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 doctor that's on every news channel right now. The doctor that stands behind Trump all the time and is on every that's kind of leading leading the way with this. That I'm interested in listening to. I'm hoping to catch some optimism from that, but haven't Whoa, listened I to didn't it know yet. This, but I hate to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I can't. I, I am such an asshole. I just completely interrupted you. But um, Japan played games this weekend. They they, they suspended their leagues in mid February, and they played games this weekend. I, I I like to hear that. Just any sort of optimism I'm here for right now. I don't care if it's like a false equivalence, or at least we can't like. Like I don't care if we can't if it's a bad comparison. Just any other place this has happened, and there's been quarantines and outbreaks. If, if they're getting back to normal within a four to eight week time frame, that just makes me happy to think about. So like I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily care at this point, even if that's not rational. So I don't know. We'll see. I found that like you did. I found that story interesting. Uh, just a pretty straight down the middle news story from ESPN comparing about how this has affected sports across the world and possibly a time frame for when we can get sports back and get this back to normal. The second thought I had on this is the NBA is this was brought up on a couple of NBA podcasts I listened to. If we do go back and odds are the NBA regular season is done, it just does not seem realistic. They're going to play the regular season. So if we get any more NBA basketball this year, it is going to be uh, the playoffs. Like whatever the NBA standings you pull up today is likely what the playoffs going to be. And there's some interesting matchups and we could probably get into that on Friday. Uh, But there is a scenario here to where they start back in late June or something like that. And the Brooklyn Nets are a seven seed, and that will be an entire year from when Kevin Durant was injured, and Kyrie Irving will presumably be close to healthy at this point. Now, Kevin Durant, just an unrelated side note here, tested positive for the coronavirus, one of four Nets players to test positive. Uh, Don't think that'll have an effect in July if everything is all good uh, at that point and we're playing sports. But what a wild turn of events that would be is if somehow, and it still probably seems like a long shot, you restart this thing in June and the seven-seed Brooklyn Nets in the East are playing probably the two-seed Toronto Raptors with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Sign me up. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? I, I, you still wonder, though, if you're Brooklyn, since you knew the season was going to be a wash, that you don't just sit them anyway, especially when uh, he'll have a new coach next year. I wonder how much that factors into it, if it does at all. Yeah, I do wonder that as well, but uh, it's at least fun. It's at least fun to think about because I mean that's that changes the entire dynamics. Which we can get into this another day. I don't necessarily buy into the whole Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving uh, tandem. Like I just don't really see it. Uh, Kevin Durant probably the best player in the one of the two three best players in the world when healthy. I did, Kyrie Irving like has played the role of second fiddle pretty well. But just like with everything else around it, that organization, I'm not sure if I necessarily see that as winning a championship. I think that was two short-sighted guys making two short-sighted decisions. But it's going to be fascinating to watch. But just thinking about that and thinking about possibly having them back this year because of a global pandemic is just one would be one of the wilder stories in sports. That would be absolutely fascinating if they came back for a playoff run. So that's just a nugget teaser uh, to keep an eye on if we do get sports back. I think that's about all we had for today. Um, I had an idea for Mailbag Friday. You're welcome to participate. Definitely don't have to. But I'm going to watch the, <laughs> the all three hangovers. And I think I'm going to rank Friday my top five favorite scenes. Because the hangovers are probably my favorite movies of all time. It's, it's, I don't know what that says about me. But uh, whenever probably I need some lot. kind of... Yeah, whenever I need some sort of laugh... That for whatever reason, those movies never get old to me, no matter how many times I watch them. So I'm at least going to watch one and two. I've seen three so many times, it's not very good. I might not get it, but that's what I'm going to do for Mailback Friday, and I'm going to come with three scenes to discuss that uh, are my favorite. So <laughs> that is uh, that is going to be the homework assignment I give myself. If you're a Mailback Friday listener or Borky, you are welcome to participate. You certainly don't have to. But along those lines, if you have some sort of movie or show or game that you would like Borky and I to rewatch, rate, what have you, submit that with your Mailbag Friday questions because we're all in this ship of boredom together and we would like to make this as entertaining as possible. So thoughts on that homework assignment? I like it, man. I'm uh, looking forward to doing that with bad sports movies at some point during the radio show. Yeah, we need to do that as well. But if you're out there and you have any ideas, let uh, please let us know. We are open to suggestions. Please submit any suggestions, ideas, whatever. 
with your Mailbag Friday questions. On that note, Borky and I will be back at it on Friday. We appreciate you guys listening again. Hopefully everyone's hanging in there. I'll remind you one more time. Go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger, LB's Meat Market. They need you now more than ever. I'm looking at a delicious photo of Greg has take-and-bake meatloaf trays ready. So you can go in there if you've got a family that you're trying to figure out, oh, I don't feel like going to this takeout, don't feel like going to the grocery store, go grab one of those. And a family-sized tray, you can eat it. They've got plate lunches. I'm staring at an absolutely uh, delicious-looking plate lunch. I think that's country fried steak that's bacon-wrapped. It looks absolutely phenomenal. But he's got steaks, custom cuts, sausages. The ribeye sausage is one of the finer delicacies in life. Burgers, all kinds of easy stuff to get you through this time where people are just hoarding things at the grocery store and acting like the apocalypse is coming but steaks, custom cuts, I'm staring at another picture of a, just a really good-looking filet with mushrooms, asparagus, and that appears to be some sort of jalapeno popper. But anyway, go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. I appreciate everyone listening. Borky and I will be on the radio show this afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon, we'll be back with Mailbag Friday, the people's holiday. Send in your questions. If you have a movie thing, if you want to participate in the hangover thing, uh, any feedback, tips, appreciated. But unless you got anything else, Borky, I'll holler at you this afternoon. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, we'll be back at it on Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.